The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Uh, kind of a, a laid-back, chilled weekend here in Stark Vegas. Not much going on. Getting a little bit stark crazy. And then the rain only only uh, adds to that anxiety. You know what I'm saying? It's, it, it seems like there's nothing great at the movies right now, unless you're like 12. And so it's uh, it's tough all over right now. We need some football. We need some good things to happen. And, and uh, the good thing about that is is that today is the first day of SEC Media Days. We're going to talk a little bit about that, kind of what to expect kind of get into the quarterbacks a little bit also got some other information about some other topics that uh, we'll jump into some college baseball stuff and uh let's just say a particular court case that you guys have to kind of keep your eyes on here in the next uh week to 10 days or so an important case to say the least we'll get into some of that i know you guys like it when we talk about that sort of stuff i i, I know that you do and i hope to be able to provide you with some uh some timely information about that as this thing kind of moves forward and um and we will uh, certainly have some coverage for you about that have been waiting for this for for a long time I want to thank our our fine friends there at campus bookmart stan ray miss kathy brown the lovely talented susie you know what you can go in there and get your picture made with them and they'll do it for you that they, they, they will and stan's told me he's had several people ask him for his picture because stan the man been with me a long time i have a, I have a lot of respect for for those folks and every time I go in there I feel like I'm walking in the cheers you know what I'm saying and, and it's not because of the fact that we have a relationship because when you stand there for a while and you visit they treat everybody like that you walk in they say hello to you they're happy you came they're happy to serve you they're happy to help you outfit your home your office your RV your vehicle your pet your family and the latest in maroon and white fashions and novelty items you can find whatever you're looking for there all things maroon and white if you can't make it to town, we encourage you to take the trip on Al Gore's internet to campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll save you a little cash. We'll give you a phrase that pays. That phrase is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete, and you're going to pay shipping. Go ahead and spend that money. So let's go ahead and jump into this. SEC Media Days kicks off uh, today. Not a lot of interest, I think, for Mississippi State fans today. Dan Mullen will speak. We'll kick the whole thing off uh, of the coaches. I guess Greg Sankey will speak first. And Dan Mullen, Ed Orgeron from LSU, Barry Odom from Missouri. So not a, a huge day, per se, of Mississippi State interest on Monday. Dan Mullen will speak. I don't know if some people will be interested to hear what he has to say. But Ed, Ed Orgeron, the only Mississippi State opponent uh, this year that is speaking today. So not sure how much he'll speak about Mississippi State because I know most of that LSU Homer media will spend uh, – this will be the line of questions. Hey, Coach, can you tell us how awesome LSU is? And then the follow-up question will be, hey, Coach, how great is that LSU defense? Coach, Coach, 
do you think Joe Burrow will win the Heisman Trophy this year? Coach, shouldn't we have beaten Alabama? Coach, tell us again how great LSU is. That that's going to be the line of that questioning. Okay, I mean it, it's going to it's it's going to be nauseating. Just go ahead and be prepared for that. Uh, Barry Odom, you know, the, I tell you the story with Mizzou. Uh, you know those those guys up there, they're they're kind of learning to live life without Drew Locke. Who, uh, if you've followed this show at all, you know what a uh, a big fan I am of uh, of Drew Locke, and and he was a guy obviously that uh, did some big things for them. But it's a new era now, and it's going to be a short one for sure. Is they have Kelly Bryant that has uh, that has transferred in former uh, Clemson quarterback and kind of made some waves last year if, if you guys recall I mean and, and people forget it's it's amazing how headlines change so quickly but a lot of people were real critical of Kelly Bryant saying you know he quit on his team once he lost at the quarterback competition he packed up and left and then Trevor Lawrence uh you comes along and, and ends up when get, getting the job and then and being the guy and uh Kelly Bryant left the team uh, preserved his senior year by not playing more than four games. Did not did not stay on. Did not continue to practice. And some people were were hyper critical of him. Uh, and and I get some of that. I guess some of that is somewhat expected. But you only get a short time in life to play ball. And so Kelly Bryant did what he felt was best for him. And now he has one more chance, and will be playing for a different brand of Tigers. And a lot of people are expecting Missouri to to be a much better team this year. I don't. I don't know that I agree with that. I, I think they finish the top half of the East because the East is so bad. But I, I don't know that they're going to challenge your Georgia or even Florida. You know, for for that for that matter. Uh, you know, I I expect the Florida defense to be better this year than it was last year, and it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't awful last year. But I suspect that they will be a little bit better team this year. And so a lot of people are expecting Missouri to, to take a step forward this year. I just don't know if that's the case. I, ju- I just don't know if they take a, you know, a huge step forward. I like Barry Odom. I think he's a good coach. Uh, and, again, this is a one-year deal. This is a stopgap deal. They, they, they feel like they have a chance to win this year, so they're going to they're go out and do that. They've added some, some transfers. They've got some guys in that can play. But, you know, we'll see. But uh, to me, to me, that's the uh, of the storylines of Monday. That that's the more intriguing part of things is w- what happens with Missouri again. And if you're Mississippi State, no rooting interest in that whatsoever. Uh, Tuesday will be an interesting day. Be a lot more intrigue around the state of Mississippi. Kirby Smart will speak. Uh, will lead things off, and then Matt Luke, uh, then Jeremy Pruitt from Tennessee, Jimbo Fisher from A&M. State's going to play three of those four teams. Not that I expect everybody to get up there and talk about Mississippi State, but I know that people, Bulldog fans, will be interested in what Matt Luke has to say. Uh, it's interesting, too, this year. There are no rookie SEC Media Day coaches. You know, last year you had uh, you know Chad Morris from Arkansas with the News of the League, Matt Luke, of course, uh, you know, officially the head coach, I guess, um, you know, last year, Joe Moorhead comes in. This year, n- no first-time coaches, and, th- and that's a rarity in this league. And so I don't think that'll be the case next year. I think there'll be some changes at a couple different schools at the end of this year. Um, and, and I think Matt Luke is one of those guys who's absolutely coaching for his job. And I think – and here's the thing, too, and, and I, I want to say this with as much respect as possible. I think you guys know – that I am no fan of the University of Mississippi, uh, just absolutely not. And uh, it's not about players, it's not about personalities. It's really about principles. And with all that said, you know Matt Luke has stepped in. No matter how this thing ends this year, you know Matt Luke might win. You know, seven eight games, go to a bowl game, and all of a sudden you know, it puts Ole Miss administration in a difficult position because then at that point I think you have to keep him. But no matter how this year goes, Ole Miss fans owe Matt Luke a debt of gratitude. There is absolutely no doubt about that. He stepped in at a very difficult time, did his absolute best to right the ship. And even if all he does is help them navigate through that transition and then hand the reins over to somebody else, that he has, he has left a legacy at Ole Miss as a player, as an assistant coach, and then as a head coach, as a guy that is a, is a, is a true rebel. And, um, and for whatever that's worth, uh, I, I think I, I have a certain amount of, I have a, a, let's just say, modicum of respect 
for Matt Luke. And this this may have been the only way he got his dream job, which is to be the head football coach at, at Ole Miss. And he's not going to have a stellar record. But when you look at the fact that uh, I don't know if anybody else would have come worth anything. And so Matt Luke stands in the gap there and kind of helps them kind of right the ship, so to speak. And listen, they're talent, they're talent deficient. Uh, don't you, you, can, you, can, you can go ahead and ignore all those press clippings and all the stuff they're going to inundate you with over the course of the next uh, six weeks. Ole Miss not a talented team. They're not a talented team. I, I don't care if they had gone out and hired, uh, you know, Newt Rockney and Vince Lombardi. It's going to take a real chore to get this, this roster to six wins. It's going to be difficult. It really is. And Matt Luke will talk about that. But uh, I suspect this is probably our last media day with Matt Luke. But uh, I, I think, again, I think anybody that, if you just look at the, remove the old Miss part of it out of the equation if, as, as much as a Bulldog can. You kind of got to tip your cap a little bit to Matt Luke for stepping in there, and uh, you know, and trying to do things the right way. And and, and, I, and I truly believe that's the case. I, I think because of the the, the the parameters of that NCAA situation, that they've had to be very careful what they've done. And I, and I do think that Matt Luke has Ole Miss's best interest at heart. And one of the things that I said when they hired him is that he will never leave them. And, and that's not something you could say about most of their coaching candidates. I mean, there are other people, if you brought them in and all of a sudden they get in here and they realize, you know what, it's going to be difficult to win here. Let me get out of here and reboot and go somewhere else. But Matt Luke will never leave Ole Miss. Absolutely never. So, again, no matter how it works out, you kind of got to tip your cap. Jeremy Pruitt last year was a disaster at media day. I, I really thought, I, I think after watching him, at the, uh, at the on the dais and the way he handled those questions, I, I I really felt like Mississippi State in many respects kind of dodged a bullet there. I think Jeremy Pruitt is an incredible recruiter. I think Jeremy Pruitt is an incredible defensive mind. I don't think Jeremy Pruitt's going to be a great head coach, and um, and I know that that may sound a little bit uh, you know sour grapey or whatever, but uh, you know if we had hired him, we would have had to gone out and hired a very innovative offensive coach. Now I, I think Jeremy will obviously let his offensive coaches do the coaching because he is a defensive-minded guy. I just don't think Tennessee is just not the job that their fans think that it is. And what I mean by that is is that they have – I mean, it's been – you know, the kids of today, the the kids – I say kids, the recruits of today, they they have no clue, no clue what Tennessee used to be. Absolutely no idea whatsoever what Tennessee used to be. None. They weren't even alive when Phil Fulmer took T. Martin and won an Apple championship. They, they don't remember that. You can show them, you can talk about Peyton Manning. You can talk, show them some highlights. You can talk about Joey Klingscales. You, you know, whatever. You, you can run those guys out there, but, but no, those, those kids don't have a point of reference. Tennessee has not been relevant in SEC football for a long time. Long, long time. The biggest headlines Tennessee football has made in the last 20 years has been with their coaching changes. Am, am, am I wrong? Everybody scratched their head when they hired Derek Dooley. Everybody scratched their head when they uh, hired Lane Kiffin, and then all of a sudden, Lane, you know, the way Lane leaves Tennessee and alerts the way that he did, then they go out and hire Butch, and everybody's thinking, okay, things are going to be great, and they weren't. And then they go out and hire Jeremy Pruitt, you know. And and here's the thing: I think Phil Fulmer, um, you know, at some point you consider one of the gentlemen of our conference. But uh, I, I think in many respects that going out and hiring a defensive-minded head coach in a league and a game that has become ultra-offensive kind of shows that the game might have passed him by a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Because you go look, go look at Florida, uh, and you know, listen, Georgia's probably the exception to the rule because of the fact that they have an incredible, incredible recruiting footprint, incredible recruiting footprint. They're, they're going to recruit at a higher level than Tennessee. It's just the reality of things. 
But you've got, you know, a lot of these teams out here. I mean, you look in the East, you know, Stoops is a defensive-minded coach. Kentucky has been middle of the pack at best every year except for last year. And I know there's some people out there that are saying, well, you know, Steve, Kentucky's going to take the next step. No, they're not. They're absolutely not. They took their best step last year. They're going to go back to being Kentucky this year. You know, you get Derek Mason at Vanderbilt. It's always been a difficult place to win. You know, they have not been an offensive juggernaut really at any point. But I think in the East especially, you got to be able to go score. I, I don't think you can just be you know the best defensive team in the East and expect to win the East because there's some teams that will absolutely put points up on you. You're not going to be able to run the Alabama offense with inferior talent. That's not how it works. Jimbo will speak as well. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, a lot of people are expecting A&M to make a big jump this year. I don't see that either. I think A&M is going to continue to be A&M. They'll be an 8-9-10 win type team. It'll be a really good team. I don't see them being able to make the jump right now. Yeah, they're committed to Jimbo long term, so eventually that will happen because they're recruiting at a very high level. And A&M's got incredible facilities. A&M's got an incredible recruiting footprint. They get to recruit in Texas. There's just, I mean, there's more recruits out there than you can shake a stick at. And Jimbo knows how to recruit. The issue in my mind with A&M is their quarterback poor. And people say, well, Steve, they've got Kellen Mond. And that's exactly my point. People say, well, you know, what did he go, 24-9 last year, 24 touchdowns, and six of those touchdowns came in overtime against OSU. I think it's right. With a short field. I just, you know, he's a one-read quarterback. I just, I, I don't think he can get them over the hump. He, He's not going to beat Alabama. He said trouble beat Mississippi State. 0-2 against Bulldogs. We'll see how things look. Could be 0-3 this year. Could be. Yeah, I know I picked that game as a loss, but I think Kellen Mond keeps you in the ball game if you're Mississippi State. Just got to find a way to get a semblance of a small fence going, Joe. Uh, Wednesday, the uh, the King is there. Nick Saban will open up Wednesday. Chad Morris and then Joe Moorhead and Will Muschamp. Uh, interesting always when Nick goes because Saban always has – there's always those one-liners. There's always those sound bites that really that people live on. That's the bigger part of Wednesday. You know, Chad Morris, a lot of people said, well, you know, Steve, this this whole thing with uh, with Arkansas, uh, they're going to take a big step forward this year. And again, no, they're not. They're not. This is an unforgiving league. It's not like you can say, well, okay, well, we're, we should be better at quarterback, and they should. But they didn't have a graduate transfer defense show up. And they say, well, you know, Steve, you've got, you've got some other guys coming back. And, and, and you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I want any of them back. When, when, do you remember how bad that defense was and how undisciplined they were? They were absolutely awful. Now, there were times they would kind of get it together, but there was such inconsistency with that group. And then you're going to bring in a brand-new quarterback with no rapport with the players, and you say, okay, we're, well, this is the year. They went out and tried to get a stopgap guy. Now, they will be better, but these people expecting them to go be bowl eligible, you know, that that's a bit of a stretch. Now they have a very manageable non-conference schedule, very manageable. They just got to find a way to pick up a couple of conference wins somewhere. Maybe one of them happens to you know against Ole Miss in Oxford. You know we'll see. But I think that Ole Miss running game is going to be very difficult for Arkansas to corral. Re- really difficult. But again, I think Chad Moore. I think that I think that's probably a losing team this year. We're, we're gonna we're gonna pick the rest of the conference a little bit later. You in the week, we'll, we'll kind of go through that. I just want to hit some high points today. We'll must champ. A lot of people are saying, okay, South Carolina's probably third or fourth best team in the East. Uh, I don't know. Because I think they're going to depend on, you know, Vanderbilt, obviously, and Tennessee, and, 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 um, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, and Kentucky to be beneath them. And then they'll probably compete there with Missouri. I, I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on Florida. I've seen some other people pick the East. You know, I think it's Georgia and then Florida. And then the winner of the South Carolina-Missouri game is probably third. I'm a big Jake Bentley fan. I think he is the, a magic man. If they can find a way to get the running game going, I think South Carolina can be a really good team. I don't think they're going to be an elite team. But they're going to be an 8-4 and four type team. And uh, that's going to be interesting. And again... Not a Mississippi State concern right now. So your big concern on Wednesday is Joe. You know, I think we we know what to expect against Mississippi State and Alabama, Mississippi State and Arkansas. 
even though we have to go back to Fayetteville, but State has had the better of that series last few years because Mississippi State is recruiting at a higher level than Arkansas. Forget the smoke and mirrors aspect of the Arkansas class. There's a little Hugh Freeze in that Arkansas recruiting deal. When you don't recruit to need, then somebody else has to reevaluate your roster after you've been fired. And that's what's happening at Arkansas. Thursday will be uh, Gus Malzahn. Chances are he's coaching for his job this year. Good good chance he won't be back next year. We mentioned Mark Stoops and then Derek Mason. So to Thursday is really all about Gus. And I am sure at some point, one thing I'll say for, about the Auburn media for the most part, uh, the Auburn media has a little bit better handle on things, I think, than some other media groups. They're just, when I think about homers in our league, they don't really come to mind. They're not afraid to ask the difficult question. That's where I give Brandon Marcello some credit, you know, former Mississippi State beat writer with the ledger. You know, and, and you can say what you want about Brandon, but Brandon's not afraid to ask a difficult question at a press conference. He's going to give those guys a chance to, to, to address the elephant in the room. And at some point, somebody is going to ask Gus Malzahn on Thursday, does he feel like he's coaching for his job? I, I will just about guarantee you that will happen. And I think we all know that he is. He accepted a reduction in his buyout last year. Uh, you don't do that if you feel like you're in a strong bargaining position. I think Gus realizes he's got to win big this year. And I don't know that 8-4 keeps his job. 8-4 might work at State and Ole Miss. I don't think it's going to work at Auburn. And then Mark Stoops in Kentucky will, ta- will take a step back this year. And then we'll see what happens with uh, with Derek Mason at Vanderbilt. You know, I, I like Derek Mason. I really do. I think he's a good coach. just don't think he's going to be able to recruit at a high enough level to get over the hump there. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. A lot of uh, a lot of people come to town and they go try that place for the first time and they message me and say, hey, Steve, you're right. And I am right. Not just about this, but a lot of things. But I'm absolutely right when it comes to Bulldog Burger Company. You will not find a better restaurant-quality hamburger in a Magnolia State than what you will feast on right here in Starkville, Mississippi. I encourage you to go by and find your own favorites. You can walk a little bit on the wild side. Get the mission. You can get that you can get that iTunes tuna burger. I haven't tried that one yet. You can get a veggie burger. You can get a turkey burger. So no matter where you are, when it comes to your dietary habits, you can have those needs fulfilled at Bulldog Burger Company. It is absolutely the Rat Robertson restaurant family of choice. Whenever we tell the kids, hey, we're going to go out to eat, where would you like to go? Bulldog Burger Company, always the very first choice. It'll be your family's first choice, too. Go by, check them out. Again, the, the closest restaurant to campus in the Cotton District. You can have an adult beverage there. You can have a family meal there. You can walk out the door with a hand-spun chocolate milkshake for your ride home. Not much better than that. Again, the best restaurant quality hamburger run. you got to treat yourself. Go by Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So, real quickly before we move on from media days. Interesting that of the 14 SEC teams, 9 of the 14 are bringing quarterbacks. 9 of the 14. And people say, well, it's the year of the quarterback in the SEC. You know, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. You know, I think, by and large, you generally bring, bring your quarterback. But... Um, the nine teams bringing quarterbacks, Alabama, of course, they're going to bring Tua. Uh, Florida bringing Felipe Franks, who recently signed a major league baseball, professional baseball contract with the Boston Red Sox, yet uh, Elijah Magnamy undrafted. And all due respect to Felipe, but that's a joke. That's an absolute joke. Uh, Jake Fromm of Georgia, who may be the league's best quarterback, the best pure passer. We'll see. Uh, LSU will bring Joe Burrow. Not a big fan. I think he did just enough to win last year, but I don't think he's a guy that can win you ball games. I think his job is to not lose the ball game, right? Ole Miss bringing Matt Corral, Braxton Hoyette's best friend. Missouri bringing Kelly Bryant. Interesting, interesting for sure. Jake Bentley, of course, from South Carolina going to show up. Jarrett Garantano for Tennessee. Kellen Mond for A&M. And then Vanderbilt's not bringing a quarterback. So there are five teams not bringing a quarterback. And of those five, Four of them are undergoing a uh, quarterback competition, shall we say. Arkansas, I don't know if you're, maybe you're not aware of this, but, uh, you know, Nick Starkle, former Texas A&M quarterback, he transferred to Arkansas. He and uh, Dan Ben Hicks, pardon me, from SMU, 
two transfers. They're competing to be the the quarterback at Arkansas. You know that entire. It seems like everybody that was on the quarterback depth chart at Arkansas last year is gone. And so they bring in they bring in a couple other guys to kind of figure this thing out. Again, it's a one and done type deal. It's a it's a stopgap experience. But you know, obviously they want to be a more pass happy team. I think we've heard that, and so they go out and get guys they think fits that skill set. Now, based on what we know about life and what we know about football, I suspect that Chad Morris will will go with Ben Hicks. Ben Hicks being a guy he's familiar with, a, a guy that obviously that knows his offense and uh, did some good things there at SMU. Vanderbilt also will likely start a transfer quarterback this year in Riley Neal, transferred in from uh, from, from Ball State, had a couple of good years there. Uh, Kyle Schumer's gone. And so they're, again, first-time quarterback uh, for them, and I suspect that's who it'll be. You guys are well aware of what's going on in Mississippi State. Tommy Stevens, Keaton Thompson, Jalen Maiden, the whole crew there. I still believe Tommy Stevens is the guy. I think because of the fact he fits the offense better, I think he comes in as the starter from day one, and then we'll see what happens the rest of the year. But I think that will be the announcement once we get into fall camp. There's no way that announcement comes before then because Joe hadn't worked with him, hadn't been able to do anything with him. Kentucky will return Terry Wilson. Terry Wilson, guys, a real challenge last year at quarterback for Kentucky, and they won 10 games in spite of that. Uh, It's going to be a different deal without Benny Snell back there. It's going to be a different deal. It's going to be a different deal with so many guys on defense moving on, namely Josh Allen. Uh, They're going to be, again, a defensive-minded team that's going to be offensively challenged. They're also not going to have the benefit of having an NFL running back. Lining up behind Terry Wilson. Terry Wilson's going to have to make some plays this year, folks. The Auburn situation is very intriguing. I had read that this is the latest that a quarterback competition has gone since the Jeremy Johnson, Sean White deal, I guess, at Auburn. They're going to start a freshman. Some names that you were familiar with. Uh, Malik Willis was the primary backup uh, to Jared Stidham. And uh, he is elected, after not winning the job in the spring, to transfer to Liberty. He will uh, compete for the uh, quarterback starting position, starting quarterback position there with uh, Hugh Freeze. And then uh, Cord Sandberg, a name that you guys may be familiar with, also not in the competition. It's going to be either a red shirt or a true freshman. Bo Nix is the guy I expect to get the job. Joey Gatewood's a guy there. He he, which he may be in a transfer portal here in a couple of years. I think Bo Nix is the absolute real deal. You may remember his dad, also a quarterback at Auburn. But an interesting deal, to say the least, that um, we've got some established quarterbacks but there's a lot of new names due to the grad transfer deal. And so it'll be interesting to see how that works. You know, I think Tua, I think you look at Tua and you look at Fromm, you say, okay, these, these guys are head and shoulders to class of the SEC. But there's just some interesting names in that mix. I think as a group this year on paper, the SEC quarterback position looks to be really good. And in, in, in maybe when you add all 14 of them up, you can say, you know what, it's comparable or better than last year. Uh, that remains to be seen. You know, Kelly Bryant re- replacing Drew Locke, it's it's a different skill set. I mean, it really is. Uh, I, I don't know that Kelly Bryant can put up the same passing numbers that Drew Locke did. And people forget this. Josh Heupel was kind of the architect of that Missouri offense, and he's not there anymore, okay? He's moved on. He's head coach now. And so that's something to kind of factor into this thing as well. Barry Odom, more of a defensive-minded guy. But it's going to be an interesting year. And uh, the one that you guys are most interested about, of course, is the one that's going to take the snaps here at Davis-Wade Stadium. And so uh, I believe – we're going to see marked improvement at quarterback. I believe that we're going to see some big things happen with the Mississippi State offense this year. I think there's there's an acclimation period. You know, when Joe came in, 
there was a lot of discussion, you know, about from some of the assistant coaches, kind of behind the scenes that, hey, you know what, we're way ahead of schedule, way ahead of schedule. And they, and they talked about how well Nick was throwing the football and how he was so ahead of his rehab. And and um, and we, we kind of bought into that. You know, because I think there was a big part of us, myself included, we were really rooting for Nick because of what he had experienced. And you're thinking, man, if this guy can come back and be what he was and use that big arm of his, then we could have a chance to go win the SEC. We can go compete with Alabama. Have a chance to go do some big things. Well, it didn't happen. It didn't happen for us. And uh, I think the first time we saw Nick carry the ball against Kansas State, I think we all held our breath because of our love, admiration, and respect for Nick Fitzgerald. You wanted Nick to be okay, and he was okay. But again, it was just kind of like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. You just, it just simply wasn't the best fit. This year with Tommy Stevens, I think you've got a better fit from a skill set standpoint. This is a guy that grew up throwing the deep ball. Nick Fitzgerald grew up running the football or catching the football, played in a run-first offense. So it's not, it's not, it's not a, a criticism of Nick Fitzgerald. It's just that Tommy Stevens is a better fit for what we want to run. Now, it's Joe Moorhead's responsibility now to kind of put all this together. And so there are some people out there that are saying, you know what, if this Tommy Stevens kid is the real deal, Mississippi State could surprise some people. Again, I think we're an 8-4 team today. I might feel differently after four or five weeks, after I've seen Mississippi State play with Tommy Stevens and I've seen everybody else play. We might feel differently. So there, there, there is some wiggle room in there because I believe there are some real toss-ups. I think LSU coming here is a real toss-up. I think their talent at running back is a problem for us, and we always seem to kind of struggle to score against those guys. On the road at A&M is a real toss-up. But, again, I think Kellen Mond is the, the X factor in that thing. If Bob Sheep can continue to confuse him, we win the ballgame. So we'll see. We'll see. So uh, let's move on to a couple other things here. I know that uh, many of you are members of, uh, of Gene's page. And if you're not, if you're not you, you should be. You darn well should be. But we made a lot of baseball recruiting news free over the weekend. And uh, so in, in case you missed that, I want to catch you up. really want to catch you up. Some big news, to say the least. So Mississippi State adds a, a couple of grad transfers. Carlisle Kostler, or Kostler, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, to all you fine folks of Vicksburg. Uh, Carlisle was a product of Warren Central, was a Viking there, went on to play at Hines, and then he became the ace pitcher at Southeastern Louisiana. He beat LSU, and uh, then he missed a year. And uh, had Tommy John surgery, I think it's correct. I think that's right. I think I'm, I don't want to miss that. But uh, never, no, no, no. Carlisle had bone spurs. Bone spurs had to be corrected. And so, he was one of those guys, too, that he pitched like 25 innings last year and then applied for a medical hardship waiver to get another year of eligibility, and that was granted to him. And so he's going to take advantage of that and transfer to Mississippi State. And the connection there was you know, he's a Mississippi kid. He went through Hines, and so there was some connections with uh, with some coaches earlier in his career. And uh as a junior, he was the ace of that Lion pitching staff and was absolutely dominant as a junior. And then comes back as a senior for some reason, was not drafted, comes back, gets a couple of wins. Or he loses the Louisiana Tech game, and then, then he gets a couple of wins and then really began to feel some pain in his throwing arm. And they shut him down. He ends up having the surgery. And now he's good to go. Now he's back. 
he's on a regular throwing protocol now. He's he's happy and um, not in summer school yet. Most of the Mississippi State newcomers are in summer school. There's a handful of them that are not. The two grad transfers are not. But Carlisle will be here. He'll be here in August. We'll go through fall baseball, and that'll be here before you know it. Well, before I mean it. It's crazy how fast it all happens. We're going to be right back into it sooner rather than later. And then we add uh, Furman's ace, David Dunlavey, Dirty Dave, on Twitter. I spoke with Dirty Dave at length over the weekend, as I did Carlisle. Now, he is a guy that has had Tommy John surgery about 18 months ago. And you guys know, even when they say it takes a year, it doesn't take a year. It, it, It takes longer than that. And there are some guys that pick up velo. There are some guys that lose velo but have to learn to pitch in a little different way. Ethan Small was the guy that lost a little velo but became a better pitcher. Instead of just being a hard thrower, he became a pitcher. Uh, Dunlavey is a guy, again, he was the ace at Furman, and it was a little up and down at times last year. And then about with about a month to go in the season, he figured some things out and was dominant in his, his final last five, his five starts. I mean, did, did a really good job. 3-0, and I guess, in the last five, including a shutout of Kansas, do a couple complete games. He is another guy that will come in this year, be here in the fall, be ready to go, immediately eligible. And so... The pieces of this thing are kind of coming together. We talked about, you know what, our big concern next year is pitching. We feel like offensively we're going to be a great team. We feel like defensively we're going to be a really good team. we got some young talent in pitching. And if those guys come around, we got a chance to make them run at Omaha. And that was before we added the grad transfers. And, of course, State has been in conversation with a handful of grand tra- graduate transfers over the course of the uh, the last month or so. So where do these guys fit? Well, I, I think, number one, they're spot starters. They're probably midweek starters and then eventually long relievers. But uh, that'll all be determined in fall baseball. I think the number, probably the most important thing with this, too, is not only do these guys eat up innings, because State's going to be very, very young. This year. you got to, you got grad transfers and JUCO guys coming in. It's going to be a completely revamped Mississippi State bullpen. It's going to be a different deal this year. But also, too, by having some guys in here, it gives you a little bit, a little margin for error. Now, we think Christian McLeod, JT Ginn, and Eric Sarantola are future major league pitchers. That, that's, that's what we think. That's what your coaching staff thinks. That's what people that know college baseball think. They say, you know what? These guys have major league bodies. It's a matter of just giving them time and getting some innings. Christian McLeod is getting healthy once again. And so now let's just say for let's just say let's just say McLeod is a little bit slower coming back than we expect. And every indication is that he's doing well. But let's just say we get into the season and he's not quite there. Well then all of a sudden you've got one of these guys you can kind of plug in there. If somebody needs to miss a start or if somebody has a little soreness one week, you don't have to keep trotting those guys out there. And so the grad transfer thing in baseball is interesting because a lot of times you get these guys that maybe are forced to come back for a senior year because of an injury situation hurts their draft stock. And that is the case for both of these guys. And, and remember a couple of years ago, we brought in Zach Neff and, uh, and J.P. France. If, uh, <clears throat> if we don't have those guys, we don't go to Omaha. It's as simple as that. If we don't bring those guys in, we don't go to Omaha. And I remember – when, uh, when, stay, when we announced that we'd signed Zach Neff, people were looking at those numbers and thinking, why in the world are we bringing this guy in? And then he becomes you know, your best left-handed matchup out of the bullpen. He goes to Vanderbilt. People forget this. Yeah, he gave up that walk-off home run to J.J. Bleday in Game 2 at a Super Regional, but he comes back in Game 3 and strikes his butt out. And so Zach Neff helped get us to Omaha. And it's interesting, too, the connection with with Dunleavy is that his head coach there at Furman is a former player at college to Charleston for Scott Foxhall. And so because it's a relationship, and you got to feel like, too, that you know his coach there at Furman 
he's not, you know, I'm sure he could have easily gone on and said, hey, listen, you know, we, we, we want him to come back. He could have went and poisoned the well with other teams, but he didn't do that. He went out and, and marketed his kid, the best pitcher on his staff, who had already told him, listen, I'm not going to come back next year. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go explore some opportunities because I, I want to go to grad school and the, the options here at Furman are kind of limited for graduate programs. And his coach goes out and reaches out to some people that he knows. The next thing you know, he's coming to Mississippi State. So so we're excited about that, to say the least. And, and uh, I, I'm eager to turn the page from baseball over to it, but we're a baseball school, okay? I'm ready to get into football, and it's media days, but here we are again, and it just kind of shows the interest. And I thought one of the things I thought was really interesting is Dunleavy said that Foxhall told him when they were on the phone, hey, this is, this is we're a baseball school. You know, our fans are, are absolutely nuts about baseball. And he says, you know, you see the stadium on the Internet and that sort of stuff. You see it on television. He goes, and you come in, you see that. He goes, and then when he walked in the Palmero Center, he, he said that was the biggest statement to him about this is a baseball school, that the name on the practice facility is Rafael Palmero. You know, it's not Jerry Norwood. It's not Dak Prescott. It's not Didi Lewis. It's Rafael Palmero pretty big statement and so both of these guys are healthy and doing well and expected to come in and contribute and so Mississippi State again finding the pieces and kind of pushing this thing together as we uh, we prepare to try to do something no diamond dog program has ever done and that's go to Omaha three consecutive years elite pitching is what gets you there and keeps you there in Omaha again we got a chance to go do something we've never done before these guys are part of that process. Really like the, the direction under Chris Lamonis. He and Foxhall clearly understand what's what's required. They're addressing the needs. And to think about the future, pick up a big commitment over the weekend, Jordan McCants, 2021 shortstop, out of Pensacola Catholic. Big-time player. And, and go ahead and get ready now, okay? So we're going to have a few more commitments here over the next couple of weeks. This is a busy time of year. This is kind of the sweet spot. This is when guys begin to kind of make their decisions because coaches have been out and seen them in these wooden bat tournaments and seen them in showcases. So all that's about to kind of happen. So there will be some new names. We'll stay on top of it. It's important to us because it's important to you. There's, there's no doubt about it. We, we are a baseball school, and as much as we love everything else, college baseball gets our attention. Go ahead and write this name down. Trey Higgins. Go ahead and write that down. 2021 stud outfielder. Plays for a guy that you may be somewhat familiar of. with That's Matthew Maniscalco. One of the best players in the country, and uh, numbers are only going to get better. You know, he, he's a big power-hitting guy that uh, hits a ton of home runs. Let's move on here. I know that there is a lot of interest. A lot of people, I think, did not expect this uh, Jackie Sherrill case versus the NCAA lawsuit to ever go to trial. Well, the joke is on you, friend, because uh, the first day of the trial began today in Madison. So, and here's what I understand. You know, Wayne Farrell's Jackie Sherrill's lawyer, and then, uh, you know, the Wade family out of Tupelo, they're, they're helping handle some of the litigation for the plaintiff, being uh, Jackie Wayne Sherrill. And then Cal Mayo, uh, Ole Miss educated Cal Mayo is representing NCAA. It's funny how it all works. It's it's funny. It's a state Ole Miss thing all over again. But uh, but all that being said, a lot of people thought this would never ever 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 go to trial. I think this is what 15, 16 years in the making. I think that's correct. And uh, I've known Wayne for a long time. I've checked in with Wayne a few times, and you know, every so often he'd say, "Hey, you know, we've had a ruling this thing. It looks like it's it's finally going to happen." And there were a lot of people, even myself, I said, well, you know, 
maybe they'll just settle this thing and it'll, it'll go away. I don't know at this point if Coach Cheryl would settle the, the thing. Yeah, and of course, if they want to break the bank, I mean, we've all got a price. But I just don't know that that Jackie would just settle for peanuts. I, I think Jackie at this point wants the reckoning more so than any of that. Now, there have been some interesting developments in this case, and I have been told that, um, you know, a couple of people involved in the case have uh, have settled their parts in the case. And I think that is exceptionally bad news for the NCAA. Uh, that's just my personal opinion, but I, I think any time that, that your key witnesses in your case cut a deal with the plaintiffs, I think I don't know that that's good for you. Because I, I won't say it's an admission of guilt, but it's certainly a, uh, a change in allegiance. And even if that means moving from, you know, an antagonist to a neutral party that there is a change in alignment within the NCAA case and so and, and you guys remember this that I think we all remember and that for those of you young guys that were just you know young pups and all this happened when when the NCAA came after Jackie Sherrill they violated some of their own bylaws with the way they handled some of the investigative stuff and uh, there were many people that basically they were threatened to have their eligibility taken and that sort of stuff just to get them to cooperate. And so they essentially accused Coach Cheryl of uh, arranging for improper benefits for players. And um, that's interesting because that's what he's always maintained from the beginning is I, not, I did not do this. I did not arrange this. I was not involved in anything of that nature. And so he filed a lawsuit and there were people behind the scenes that kind of snickered and said well you know Jackie's always kind of worn the black hat always kind of been an enemy of the NCAA and if that's true then his case is pretty much already won for him because if he's always been an enemy of the NCAA then maybe there is some credence to the fact that they were trying to run him out of college football I think this is one of the things that we uh I don't, I don't know that it's quite a landmark case, but I know there are a lot of people that will have their eyes on this because you guys are well aware there's another lawsuit right now that uh, is currently undergoing motions uh, with the Rebel Racks case versus the NCAA. And I don't know, you know, if there, there is a lot of uh, parallels between the cases other than at the root of the case, there is, you know, basically an allegation that the charges levied against the parties involved by the NCAA were, were untrue. That, that's basically the one parallel we can all agree on, is that both parties are saying the NCAA wrongfully accused me of uh, improper behavior. And so, number one, I think when you look at the fact how long this thing has taken, uh, I think it goes to show that the uh, Rebel Racks case will likely be one of those things too that it probably takes a little while to unfold you gotta there's a lot to unpack with all this uh and and i i i can't argue uh with the, the cheryl case and say you know what this should have been done or that shouldn't be done because i i don't know but i do know this is that there is finally a case that is being presented in front of a judge it's no longer about motions it's no longer about depositions there is an actual case the judge is hearing the arguments from both sides of this case. And many of the players that were principals in the Mississippi State case back in 03, whatever it was, uh, those guys have moved on and have children of their own, and some of them even have uh, young men that are that are rising up the ranks as college football prospects. And so we're, we're almost a generation away from all of that now. And so it takes a long time, but... Uh, this is a case that, and I'm told it'll probably go a week to 10 days, thereabouts, uh, before you know, everything is heard. And I, I don't know what kind of gag order is in place, but we will, we will have some coverage of this once it is resolved. Now, we could see a situation when they get into this thing that the NCAA may elect to, shadow, to, to settle with Coach Cheryl. Um, I suspect... If you've gone this far, maybe you just ride the thing out unless you realize that your liability is a lot greater than you initially realized. 
But I do believe that uh, when a couple of parties, one party in particular, and you can fill in your own blanks, but a, one, a party that was supposed to be a source for the NCAA in the case against Mississippi State and Jackie Sherrill is no longer a willing participant in the NCAA's case, I, I, I believe that is very, very significant. And again, I'm no F. Lee Bailey, but I, I would suspect that that weakens the position of the NCAA. Based on what I have heard heading into this thing, uh, I, I think there is a good chance that um, that Coach Sherrill is victorious in this suit. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how things progress. There will be a lot of media coverage about this. And, and as it gets closer to a verdict or, or to a judgment or a dismissal or whatever, uh, there will be more people involved in the coverage of this case. But uh, hopefully we'll be able to provide you some information that is a little bit, um, you know, more, a little more pertinent, I guess, along the way. And so I'll check in and, I, and I'll see what we can learn. And, again, there, some of the people involved in this case, they're going to be bound by a gag order. I don't know how extensive that's going to be. It may, we may have to wait until it's over. Uh, to learn a lot of things. But uh, once we get something, we will share that with you. And again, it's crazy to think about, but this case is finally, finally before a judge. We will finally have some resolution in the case Jackie Wayne Sherrill versus the NCAA. Folks, it's going to do it for today. I'll be back on Wednesday, and uh, we'll share what what we've learned and and kind of begin to look at the SEC West. Kind of go to look and say, okay, listen, Here's how we see this thing breaking down. We'll probably have some more baseball recruiting news by then, too. And I want to thank all of you. There's so many of you that have reached out. Last night in the, in the middle of chat, we sit down in Gene's page, and we try to chat a few nights each week. Um, I had to leave early. And daughter had called me. She'd been involved in what we deemed was an accident at the time. I get there. She's fine. The vehicle's fine. Uh, just one of those things, driving on wet roads and spins out and uh, really scared her to death. And, and I've had several people today, and, and I – I haven't had a chance to respond to everybody. So thank you. She is fine, and we'll find out about the vehicle later, but that's inconsequential. That, that's something we can deal with. And uh, as, as we have learned in life, as long as our people are good, we're good. And so I hope all of your people, those that you love, I hope they're good today too. We can buy other cars. We can get cars fixed. But um, I don't plan on producing any other children, and so I want to keep the ones that I have. And so, again, thank you for your support, and thank you for your prayers and and, uh, all of your well wishes. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.